These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to another episode of This Is Your Afterlife. I'm Dave Marr, and this is the show where I talk to creative people about memories, moments of transformation, and what they think happens when we die to figure all of this shit out. My guest this week is Annie Russell, a great comic who I am friends with from the Chicago comedy scene. She currently lives in the Bay Area because she is a public radio producer, host, personality, and she's working out there. She also hosts a podcast called Duct Tape and Paper Clips, a podcast about MacGyver, where she and another comedian rewatch MacGyver to see if it holds up. And they have comedian guests on. It's a great show. They're actually doing a live watch of MacGruber, the Will Forte MacGyver parody, the day after Christmas. And I've linked to the information about that event in the show notes. I've also linked Annie's Twitter and Instagram in the show notes. It's Annie M. Russell. Follow her on both those platforms. You can follow me at This Is Dave Marr pretty much everywhere. Go to thisisdavemarr.com to get more info. I want to thank the people who have found this podcast. I don't know exactly where from, but last week was a big week for the show. Huge, huge spike in the in the numbers. The the numbers I, I stare at on my screen all week, they were they were making big things. They were doing good big spikes. So thank you to those spiky people. I hope you like the show. If you do, please tell a friend about it. Person to person is best. Send a text message, send a screenshot, but you can always subscribe in whatever app you're using, leave a review, rate the show. All that stuff helps. Also, you can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr to get the full episodes of these shows. I also want to thank my Patreon pigeon-level subscribers, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, and Kurt Chang, especially for making this show happen. I also just want to say my first goal for the Patreon was to hit 15 subscribers, and that goal was to cover the costs of producing this show. and we just hit it. So I'm very, very excited about that. I'm excited about the playlist I'm releasing on Patreon this month, which is a, a, a original international holiday music, mostly Christmas music. So that'll be available on there. I'm also going to do a live reading of, it looks like probably the script for Bad Santa. And the only way you'll be able to see that with all of the comedian friends that I book for it will be through Patreon. So go there. And now please enjoy this conversation with Annie Russell. I grab your whip and take it back to when I'm in Scenario two is you're at a party and someone's like, Oh, what's your deal? And but they're but they're despite the fact that what's your deal is a little bit of a douchey question, you're they're a person who's a who you're interested in cultivating as a friend. Okay. okay? That's a really good qualifier. <laughs> I think I probably overly define myself by my job. So I would probably bring up my job in the first few moments. Um, And I probably would talk about comedy as well. But you can't just, I mean, imagine that you're talking to the person. You can't just say my job. They're like, you define yourself by your job. Okay, well, no, I just, she just said she defined herself by her job and then walked away. 
Do you think that's a weird way to talk to people? I that's exactly in generalities. Of, yeah, what I would say. Entirely um, in generalities. Yeah, I think I say I'm Annie. I work for Public Radio. Um, yeah. Are people impressed by that, or yeah, what's people's usual response to that? It depends. It 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 really it's situational. Um, one thing that I really enjoy doing, uh, that surprises a lot of people is I love to bowl. Um, I'm very serious about it and I literally like drive around with my own bowling ball and shoes in my car, just in case the moment presents itself where I can bowl. And so if I'm at the alley, um, and it comes up what I do for a living, no one bats an eye, no one cares, you know, occasionally they'll be like, what station is that? Um, and I, I love that. Um, that is, cause I you're feel, just here to bowl with the fucking I am here to bowl with, you know, the old men that are there with anybody like teenagers. Like I just, I loved the game. Why bowling? What is it about it? It's just so fun. I, I, it's are you something- a good bowler. Or you just like it. Yeah, I'm good and I like it. I don't think I would like it if I weren't good. My next question is like, you know, just the big heavy one right off the bat, which is what do you hope happens when you die? So what I hope happens is that none of my loved ones have to lift a finger. Like that is the first thing. So... I want there to be a detailed plan that I have created ahead of time. I want everything to be very easy for them. Um, I've been in this situation of like, both of my parents have passed away. Um, and when my mom died, which is the more recent parental death, like I had to be the executor and it was very sudden and there was nothing. There was no plan. We had no idea what she wanted in terms of a funeral. We had no clue how things were supposed to be divided up. It was nothing. So what was that learning curve like? I mean, it was, it was completely outrageous and it was like, yeah, I mean, talk about propelling yourself into like a next level of adulthood that you didn't even know existed. Like I thought I was doing okay before that point. And then I realized, I don't know if we want to cement vault around the um, casket. I don't know if we need things that, you know, the funeral home will try to sell you on. Um, I don't know. How'd you make those decisions? Did you like, did you come up with sort of a, like, did you reach a breaking point where you're like, now I'm just going to say no to everything. Did you come up with like a North star for like, this is how I have to make these decisions. So I wanted, so I was the executor, but you know, my younger brother was still living at home at the time. And he had a lot more of an emotional um, connection to a lot of these decisions. Like he felt strongly about things that I was really surprised about. Like I would not have said prior to this that my brother was anti-cremation. And it turns out he was very anti-cremation and I had no idea. Um, And so based on kind of like us having those conversations, I sort of, I deferred to a lot of like, if one of my siblings felt really strongly about something, like I kind of let them take the lead on a particular decision. So the burial was one of those where like, I didn't necessarily 
like I would have done cremation, you know, and we did the burial because my brother felt so strongly about it. Um, so for myself, I just, I've actually already started a document because I now know how suddenly these things can happen where I just say like, it's not anything detailed or crazy, but it's just like, this is what I would want. Um, this is in it. So what's in it right now is I do want to be cremated and I would like to be, I would like someone to hike up a mountain with me. And, um, so we can have that kind of last experience of, of enjoying a hike together. (laughs) And, uh, and I want my ashes spread in, um, yeah, on a mountain because that's just being outside and being in nature is, is something that's important to me. Cause you're a, wait, you're, you're from Vermont. I'm not from Vermont, but I lived okay. there for a long mm. time. What um, are Vermont people called? Vermonters? Vermont? Vermonters, yeah. Okay, okay. Is there a specific mountain? There's not a specific mountain. That's okay. a thing that I uh, – because I am like inherently practical. Um, I mm. feel like I want to leave that up yeah, to the person. that makes sense. And it's you know, based on where they live and what's easy for them. Um you know, but that's kind of like the the blueprint. And then for my actual funeral, um, you know, they say that a funeral is not for the person who died, right? Like it's right. really for the for the people that are gathered um, mm-hmm. to to you know say goodbye. So I think for my funeral, I have a really hard time imagining that because. I don't know who the people are going to be. Like, I don't know who of the people I know are still going to be alive. Oh, um, okay. So I don't I, know what, no, I'm not saying that no one loves me. <laughs> no, I know, but that you wouldn't have any idea who would you would have drifted from or who still yeah. cared enough. No, come on. You know, some people who are like in the 99th percentile of people who are going to be there. Oh, sure. But I assume I'm going to outlive all of those people. So that's... <laughs> Why? Do you feel like your habits are particularly healthier or do you feel doomed to a long life? I feel, um, yeah, I feel like in my family, I definitely am going to outlast everybody just based on lifestyle stuff and based on Mm. my uh, stubbornness and tenacity, I think. Um, And I'm not saying I think it's a good thing. Uh, I do feel a little bit doomed by it. But so that's what I mean when I say like, I don't know who all is going to be there. And like, I don't have kids. And like, I don't know if I am going to have kids. Like, who knows? Um, Who knows if I'm going to become, you know, some kind of like, like I'm going to run a charity in my sixties and like all of those people are going to become oh, like a second family kids. to me. Yeah. Who knows? So I, I don't pretend to know uh, the future. <laughs> so okay, it's hard for me to, to picture that. And so for me, I just want people to come away from the actual celebration thinking it was cool. Um, I just want the readings to be on point. I want the music to rule. I want there to be just a sense of like, this was really well put together. <laughs> <laughs> like a well-produced show. Yeah, well-produced. Okay. What What are any of those? W- by the way, this is very interesting because you've effectively combined two segments. The next segment is usually one where they, I ask people to – do funeral planning, but you've skipped oh, yeah. right to any meta for, uh, over any metaphysical concerns, anything about legacy, fu- living generationally. You're just like, 
here's the yeah. Google Doc. Well, I mean, you said, what do I hope happens when I die? Yeah. Yeah. I I have I have the second part of of your like oh, I have thoughts the about part? the second part in terms of I'm talking about what's happening for the people I've left behind. Yeah, what's yeah. happening for me? I hope um, is that you you get to whatever the the gateway is, um, whether it's Saint Peter or or whoever is kind of checking you in. Um, okay. there is a gateway. In. There is a check in. You got to check in. You okay, know, you gotta. Right. Like it's rude to just show up without saying hello. So you show up, you say hello, maybe you bring a gift, you know, bottle of wine, some flowers. I think that would be nice. And so then they um they check you in. And what I hope happens is that you then know everything. Um, and when I say know everything, I mean you know everything. Like you have mastery of every skill, you have the collected you know, literature in every single language through the ages, you can do anything. You have all of the knowledge of humanity and whatever is beyond humanity. Um, Like every single thing that any human being has ever done at any point in their life is included in there. Yes. Anything. So I have the skills of, you know, a top level concert pianist. I have the skills of, LeBron James. I have the skills of anything anything I want to do, I know how to do it. Um, and anything I want to know situationally, I now know it. So if you want to find out what happened uh, to a party that what happened at a party you weren't invited oh, to, you sure. know, right, if, right. if I want to know, finally, if my ex-boyfriend cheated on me with that one girl and I always suspected it and he never admitted, I now know. So it's you just know it all. Damn savage what but what about like um doesn't that kind of isn't there nowhere to go from there do you not want to grow over the course of your afterlife or no but, but think about it think if you were you but you knew everything and you had mastery of of any topic you wanted to to know but then you get to debate about it and then you get to write about it and then you get to create based on that and then you get to interact with other people who also have that knowledge. And so I think of it as like everyone is on the same level now, skill-wise and intellect-wise and knowledge-wise. And so now we can create and you know just do whatever so we want. So collective knowledge is still evolving basically. Yeah, I think collective knowledge can still evolve, but it's like everyone's on the same level, so there's no there's no gap um between, you know, if your friends say like, "Hey, do you want to uh play a game of basketball?" and we're all at an NBA level, like that is a really fun game of basketball. But it's um, not like fortune telling where they're like, "Do you want to play a game of basketball?" We know the answer is yes cuz we know everything. No, I don't think you have the ability to 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 kind of like read minds or anything like that. I I do think that you have the ability to to come in um with just any kind of baseline of knowledge that you would need, but like there's always room to grow. Like that's the thing about knowledge and learning and science and all of it is it's always evolving. So like I don't know if I would love – I would like a certain amount of people to be on the level. And I'm not totally proud of this, but I got to be honest. 
I do get a kick out of being smarter than some people. Oh, you want to be smarter than some people. Right? You don't want to be smarter than some people? I think I'll be sick of that by the time I die. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well played. Well played. Okay. (laughs) Okay. What I would like to do now is a segment called Relive One Memory, where I'm proposing that in the afterlife, you get to choose a single memory that you can fully re-inhabit. You're back in it. It's not just playing in your mind. You are like physically reinserted into this memory. But you only get one. You're not stuck in it. And you can go back to it and out of it whenever you want. But if that were part of the afterlife, what memory would you choose? Hmm. Well, I hope that it hasn't happened yet. Um, oh, yeah. In, well, why though? Because I don't think I have anything that's good enough. Like, why? I, because I have a really hard time being in a moment um, and enjoying a moment while it's happening. So I feel like I am very much the queen of nostalgia and I love to look back on things and think about how perfect it was when XYZ or how great it's going to be when XYZ happens. Um, and what I have never been able to do is be in a moment and enjoy it to the fullest as it's actually occurring. Um, So assuming that in the next part of my life, I attain the ability to do that, um, that would be amazing. Is that something you're working toward? It is very much something I'm working toward because it's been, yeah, it it can be very- Are you meditating? Are you reading books? What are are you I'm meditating. I'm reading books. I'm going to therapy. I'm doing (laughs) all the things. Um, And so I think it's really hard to be like, I want to relive that moment because I'm thinking of a, a wonderful day that I spent where it was sort of like an aimless day, right? We just kind of wander onto the Staten Island Ferry. We go across. We um, just kind of walked around this park in Staten Island, like exploring this borough that I had never really been to before um, and, you know, getting this amazing pizza and kind of, you know, wound up back on the Lower East Side and went to, um, you know, sort of like piano bar where everyone like sings show tunes along. Mm -hmm. And so that's a day that I think about. And I was like, that day was fucking awesome. Um, But when I think about that day, I remember that I was anxious during that day because I was worried about what was going to happen next, you know, and I was, it was a date. And so I think I was very concerned with like, how does this person uh, respond to me? Like what's, you know, what's going to happen next? Are we going to go on another date? Like that kind of thing. So I would love to be able to relive that day, but actually enjoy it. Without anxiety. Without anxiety. What what number of it sounds like it was an early in the relationship date. Oh yeah, that was probably date three or four. Whoa! So it's you and this other person. Mm-hmm. Who was this person? It, whether even if you're not comfortable saying their exact name, who were they to you? Whatever feels I like comfortable, like setting the scene. 
So this is a person that I had had a crush on for so many months. Like I, he and caught how old my are you? eye. I am in my early 20s. Okay. Um, he had caught my eye at work. Um, we worked together in this very like mission-driven job, right? And so this is before I had done anything um, regarding like journalism or, or radio. I was working in social work at the time. Mm. So I thought he was one of the more attractive people I had ever seen in my life. Um, and the idea that he would want to go on a date with me was like still actually kind of blows my <laughs> mind. <laughs> Even with all the work I've done on myself, I'm still like like he was he was the more attractive person in that um scenario sure. and way cooler, like way cooler. He was in this like noise band. <laughs> They were signed to like a cool label. He was touring Europe using his vacation time from his social work job. Like I was just like ruined, um, like obsessed with this guy. <laughs> and he had a girlfriend the whole time. Um, I, I had this crush on him. And then uh. finally um, they break up and I didn't, I really didn't know what else to do, but be like, do you want to get a drink? <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's amazing like, though, that you like, that it spurred you to action and not like hermetic. I mean, th that you weren't intimidated overly. No, Dave, it felt like an emergency. It felt like I have to like, I have to do something, you mm -hmm. know, like this, this is something that I really want and I have to like go after it. Um, and yeah, we had had like a couple of like drink states um, and then he suggested we just kind of like wander and do this like, you know, wander date, which those of you who have been listening to the podcast up till now, um, I am not a wander kind of person. <laughs> like, I am very much like a let's plan out exactly what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but of course at the time i'm like oh my god cool yeah definitely <laughs> that's what i'm saying man yeah i'm really chill i'm really agreeable yeah i'm nice you know yeah pretending to be a different person right. yes that's what i did <laughs> and why was the pizza so good what was so good about the pizza i got myself on this date i don't know that's that also may be like a new york nostalgia thing of just how much good pizza um, is in New York, but there's there's great pizza on Staten Island. There's horrible things about Staten Island, but pizza is pretty dope. What was? Do you remember the kind you had? Big big New York slice, mm -hmm. um, the foldable kind, the thinner but like very doughy crust. Um, and that's my my but the pizza toppings. Choice. Do you remember the toppings? Oh, I was a plain, plain cheese pizza all the way. Whoa. Okay. Oh, I also should mention that I pretended to be a vegetarian to get this person to date me. Because he was a vegetarian? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you, how, you have to really sow those seeds. Were you, you said you were a vegetarian while he was still dating this other girlfriend? Yes. yes. I sowed the seeds like three months in advance. I never ate meat around him ever, just in case. And then when we started dating, I didn't eat meat for like three years. You guys dated for like three years? Yeah. Is he the one who you aren't sure if he cheated on you or not? Yes. Oh, wow. This he is probably the whole thing. did. 
Okay. That is honestly fucking awesome that you <laughs> faked that er- that you sowed the seeds that you had that level of foresight to go I'm just in case w- would it have been a deal breaker that you weren't a vegetarian or would did you just were you just being overly cautious? I think it would have been a deal breaker. Um he was very social justice oriented as were a lot of the people that we worked with at this job. And so there were a lot of vegetarian vegans. Um, and so that was, you know, part of the culture I was in for Mm. sure. Um, but yeah, I, I got the sense that he would not, um, date me if I weren't a vegetarian, like who knows if that's true. I'm sure he's dated plenty of people that were not vegetarians, but I felt so inferior to him that I was like, I have to like have my shit on point. Wow. If he came back now and he was like, let's give it another go. Would you say yes? Absolutely not. Just because you know, just because it was a bad relationship. Oh yeah. It turns out when you uh, pretend you're a different person and get into a relationship, (laughs) um, it actually doesn't go that great. The next segment is me asking you what's your coma which is just a moment of transformation where you were one person before and either a different person after or you peeled away a layer or you found something new about yourself what was that moment of transformation yeah i think like obviously i could name like a trauma for sure. And like, I've already talked a little bit about the fact that both of my parents have passed away. And certainly each of those had their unique moments of, you know, things being pulled, um, pulled back and having to like step into new um, kind of identities and levels of, of growing up. But I think actually, and it might sound cliche, but it was a breakup for me. Um, Same breakup where... with the three-year vegetarian guy? No. Oh, okay. No. This was the breakup that immediately preceded that relationship. Um, and yeah, it was in my early 20s. And I feel like when I say that, people might assume like, oh, yeah, you're in your early 20s. So like you kept it super casual and you just grew apart and it was whatever. No, I got like dumped with a capital D. Um, I thought everything was amazing um, before he broke up with me. You you did not see it coming at all? Didn't see it coming in the slightest. Um, I, you know, we had just like gone to like one of my close friends wedding a couple months prior, like, I fully thought that like this was like the long-term relationship like I was going to be in. We also dated for about three years. And when you were 17? When oh, I no. Was, when you were early no, 20s. No, no, no. Okay. I was early. I was in New York already at this time. And um, yeah, it completely. Did you was, go to college in New York? I went to college in New York. Where? Um, and I, I went to college upstate New York in Poughkeepsie. Oh, what's um, the school? Asser. Oh yeah. Okay. And then I, I moved to Brooklyn basically 
the minute I graduated college. Okay. Um, so this is where we met. Um, we met at my first job ever, like my first full-time job ever. Um, I was a music director and he was like one of the DJs. Like if anyone wants, if anyone knows me, you could easily figure out who I'm talking about. So do I know who um, this person is? You do. Okay. Okay. And we were together like for years. I was like, so in love with him, thought everything was perfect. Um, and he dumped me. Uh, and it was like one of the most like immediate, like everything's different and you can't talk your way out of it. You can't like cute your way out of it. Like there is no, there's nothing you can do. Was um, it a clean break? Was it one conversation? Yeah. Honestly, that's pretty, that's respectable. Yeah, it was one conversation. And like, I, I'm i not, like, he didn't necessarily do anything wrong, um, but it did very much blindside me. And like, to the point where, like, I would reach out to him in like the months or weeks that, you know, came after. And he would be like, Annie, like, I'm not in love with you anymore. Like, you need to, like, stop. Whoa. Wow. I mean, honestly, the boundaries there are pretty impressive. Yeah. And that was the first time I, who had zero boundaries, had any interaction with someone. And to me, that just felt, like, so cruel, you know? I was like, right, right, right holy shit, like, I love this person. We've, like, been together. I have dinner at your mom's house once a week, you know? Like, it's this level of, like, we're in in this relationship. Um, We had, like, gone on all these trips together. Like, it was just the kind of shit you do with, like, uh, your partner, you know? Right. And, And it was just so transformative. He broke up with me the day... I took the test um, to get into grad school. Like I I went to J school and there's like this special test you have to take a writing test. And I somehow was able to like get my shit together and take this writing test. Oh, he broke up with you before the test that day? Yeah, it was that day. And I had to take this writing test and I, I had to just summon like whatever fucking like, like grit, whatever it is to get my shit together. I had to do it. And I took the test and I got in to school and that was like what set me on their trajectory of like working in public radio and doing the thing that I wanted to do. But you had already signed up for the test before the breakup, which you were Mm -hmm. blindsided by. So how do you credit the breakup for this blossoming and correct me if I'm using the wrong words, blossoming of yourself as a creative entity? Um, I think that I I applied to grad school initially because I like didn't know what else to do. It mm. was just one of those like things. I fired off an application. Who knows if I would have followed through on it, you know, had had this not happened, frankly. I don't know that I would have done it. Um 
And then this was such a like shock to my system that like I I no longer defined myself by like who I was dating. And that was so, so strange for me. Like the idea that I could create something was like so foreign to me. So you were like, I don't know, maybe not personality wise, but it sounds like you were living a real life version of like manic pixie dream girl, like content to be like a muse and a like sidekick to someone. Yeah. Like showing up to um, his shows, carrying his guitar case and amp uh, to load in and out um, sitting at the merch table, like that kind of thing was, was totally normal to me. And I was more than happy to just be there. You know, were you aware that you were doing that? i I honestly don't even think I thought about it. Um, t- uh, to the level that I, I look back on now, but I certainly was like, that's how people saw me. Like I was a girlfriend um, and I definitely like people never remembered my name. Um, People wouldn't even address me in conversations, you know, or look at me or ask me anything like that was normal um, in my early twenties. Like, and I, I shudder to look back and, and think on that now, but that was the, the situation. Um, and this is pre stand up, pre like figuring out what I wanted to do career wise. And then after he dumped me for seemingly no reason, I was like, okay, I need to have an identity. Like this is not working. Was it no reason or did it just seem like it was no reason? I still don't know what the reason is. So it might have just genuinely been like something has changed within me emotionally. Yeah. He wanted something different, like wish him the best, but I I still don't understand what happened. So it wasn't even, even though it was a hard and fast boundaried conversation, it wasn't a particularly clear conversa- conversation where like, hey, this is what happened. Now I'm done. It was just, hey, I'm done. And I, I am for sure done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, hey, I'm done. I am so done. Like, um, I like we are done, done, done. And if you wonder, um, but is he done? I think I'll tell you right now. The answer is yes. Do not give me a call. The, I'm still done. <laughs> still done. Do not want to know how you're handling it or what's <laughs> going on with you. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and head out now. Um, <laughs> it, it was it a was short that. conversation. It was a short conversation. I was sobbing, like completely, like shaking, like, and I'm an ugly crier. Um, I like snot is like cascading down my entire body, um, just in complete misery. Um, and he's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna head out." (laughs) Okay. So I understand the metamorphosis you're talking about, but I see you as a pretty well. I, and I don't know if if like I'm just conflating being adult and having boundaries, but I see you as a pretty as a person with good 
boundaries. And so you're saying you weren't before. Was this also the moment that that happened or no? Yeah, that all all came post this breakup. I mean, post this breakup, I it was like have your own identity, have your own like protection and boundaries because like the the sheltered worlds that you grew up in like is not a thing. I want to ask you to kill one thing. One small thing in everyday life or culture that you would like to cease existing. Um I would like to kill um especially since we've just spent time talking about um breakups and what have you. I would like to kill the focus on sex, dating, and relationships in our culture, um, specifically as it relates to women. Um, I think the things that I could have learned and done and spent my time on uh, without worrying if some asshole uh, liked me back, I mean, Jesus Christ, if I could get that time back. Where would you start that? Is it movies? Is it music? Is it a lesson in school? Where do you start that? I think it's media. I think media is a big part of it. So I'm including movies in that. I'm including news in that. I'm including what we think of as a major life event in that. Um, you know, it does not need to be focused on weddings and birth and, you know, things that are so, you know, focused on being part of a couple. Um, I think that's a big part of it. Um, and well, I, think I, also- birth, I don't think birth necessarily involves being part of a couple. I think all cultures through time have kind of Birth tends to be one of the big life events that's well, hard birth to- birth is a big life event, but I feel like in our culture- like like pregnancy culture pregnancy okay sure sure culture, yeah, yeah yeah i get you culture involving sort of like the next step in a married couple's life um a right. heterosexual you know blueprint that that our culture still puts above you know all other types of families and ways right. to be um i think that's obviously like Getting rid of patriarchy would be great, but that's I'm not gonna uh, launch into that right this second. Um, but I think, yeah, I think part of it is is media and culture and kind of what we value. And another part of it is sort of teaching children at a younger age how to deeply connect and relate to other people and have really deep, meaningful, Um, relationships with people that are not romantic and that are not, you know, considered to be, um, you know, some kind of like dating or or sexuality based thing. Um, I think that is, is a problem to me that we, we immediately, we see two five-year-olds holding hands and we say like, oh, they're, they're, you know. Yeah. They're going to get married. Oh, Yeah, yeah. I think that is so fucked up. People do it with pets, even. Yes. His, uh, I was. Have you seen? Because you're a dog person, or do you can do you do you mm-hmm. have a dog, or do you consider yourself a dog person? 
I have a dog and I am a dog person. Okay. Have you seen that Amazon show, that crazy, like amazing race with dogs show? No. It's like, it's fucking psycho. And I think you would maybe find it fascinating. I forget what it's called. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up. Uh, Amazon. It's not the whatever Richard Linklater is doing. Is it? Oh, I don't think so. No, it's called the pack. And Lindsay Vaughn hosts it, and she is okay. rough. And I did, I s- fucking swear I did not mean that as a pun. But the pack <laughs> is, it's a bunch of people and their dogs, right? And they're just going to these different um, cities and doing like little adventures. But the way, but, and the dogs are cute, but the way they talk about them, and then these like two who kind of look like maybe the same breed their owners just decide that they're like boyfriend and girlfriend. And you're like, these are just two dogs like lying next to each other. Like let them just fucking be dogs. All of that needs to stop. Like those two dogs are just comfortable and laying down and keeping each other warm. That does not need to be romantic or sexual in any way. Um, And it's kind of fucked up that it's, it's like that dog is that, that other dog is that dog's, boyfriend (laughs) you know it's really weird it's really weird when people assign it to children and it's really weird when people um do it to little kids and i think we that is permeated through us whether we even know it or not like when you see two people at a show you know together like i've been in the audience and i've been you know at a show with a friend and immediately the comic starts talking to us about how we're together, you know, and that, and if you say no, it's like, well, are you sure? Like, okay, well, but he's, he's been thinking it. We know what, you know, like, it's like, fuck it. it, Yeah. The lack of imagination is stacked. Yeah. The lack, there's so a million ways we can relate to other people in this world and collaborate with them and learn from them and connect with them. And yet this is what we are only going to focus on is like, Oh, you must be fucking. That's it. Like that is all. <laughs> that yeah. is as far as the imagination goes. I would love to kill that because I think it would be better for people of all genders if they were able to express and and have all, all kinds of relationships um, with other people. That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Find Annie at the links in the show notes at Annie M. Russell. Go to that MacGruber watch party hosted by her podcast, Duct Tape and Paper Clips. Find me at This Is Dave Marr, thisisdavemarr.com. Sign up for my newsletter. Join the patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Tell people about the show. Seriously, thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week. You can do miracles, miracles. You can do them, have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings they do miracles.